0: Welcome to my mommy's
1: podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Juve Red Light Therapy, or also called photobiomodulation. I've been a big fan of red light therapy since researching it years ago, and I've been really grateful for my red light devices the last couple of years as I'm getting older and I want to be really proactive about keeping my skin looking young. With stress and travel i felt my skin getting less smooth and elastic than it used to be so i upped my red light exposure and was able to help my skin stay feeling its best i also noticed really directly the benefits of red light for recovery and sleep as i have gotten into more intense workouts and sleep can always be a struggle with six kids most people don't realize that light is such a vital part of the cellular energy equation in the body and red light therapy is an easy way to get part of this really valuable piece that we need Since many of us spend so much time indoors, we often don't get enough light. And my favorite two hacks are to spend some time outdoors every morning as soon as I wake up and to use red light throughout the day or at night to make sure I'm getting that full spectrum of light exposure and that my light exposure is optimized. You can learn a whole lot more at their website and find the lights I personally use by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama, and they have built in an exclusive wellness mama discount at that link just for you guys. Again, that's J O O V -V V.com forward slash wellness mama. This episode is sponsored by levels, continuous glucose monitors. I have been experimenting with this continuous glucose monitoring system for the past few months, and I've learned so much personalized data about my body's own response to different foods, even to workouts, to sauna and to when I don't get enough sleep. I've been using Levels, and this has made a significant difference in the way I track my glucose data, and especially as it relates to diet and fitness. Levels is cool because in addition to providing you with the the continuous glucose monitor sensors, their app interprets your data, scores your individual meals, and allows you to run experiments across different inputs like diet, exercise, or even fasting protocols. They're backed by a world-class team including Stanford-trained MD, top engineers from SpaceX and Google, and a research team that includes legends in the space like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino and Dr. David Perlmutter, both who have been guests on this podcast before. Health is so personalized, and this has given me a way to know the best foods for my own body, and it's helping me get enough protein and carbs while still maintaining weight loss. Levels is currently running a closed beta program with a wait list of 100,000 people. But as a listener, you can skip that line and join Levels today by going to levels.link forward slash wellness mama. So again, make sure to get the link right. It's L-E-V-E-L-S dot L I N K slash wellness mama. All one word. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And this podcast goes deep on things like pain and trauma and the inner work we do for health and healing, taking a holistic approach. And I'm here with Alex Rochinski, who's the co-founder of Primal Fusion Health, and they specialize in wellness education and primal integration, and especially how all of the areas of life, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual all interact for health. And he's a master check practitioner and neurosomatic therapist with over 15 years of clinical experience. He's worked with celebrities, pro athletes, and people in all walks of life. And he guides his students to live in harmony with themselves and with others, addressing all of those areas at once. In this episode, we talk about his own uh, experience of actually medically dying and and what perspective he gained from that. We go deep on the mind-body connection, how this relates to things like pain and movement, and talk about something I have mentioned before, the the book, The Body Keeps the Score, but how trauma and pain can somatically store in the body, and so much more. Uh, Definitely a wide-ranging episode, and there will be a round two with him that goes into some of the deeper stuff we didn't even have time to touch on today. But without further ado, let's join Alex. Alex, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I have a feeling we're going to go in a lot of directions today. But to start, I have a note in my Google Doc that you died when you were three in a hospital in Ukraine. And I would love to hear a little bit more of that story.
0: Well, Ukraine is all socialized. And so, you know, it, that's, you know, a fun benefit of your parents being able to, you know, take time off to take care of their kid. I, so it turns out I got laryngitis and that laryngitis spiraled into my lymph nodes being extremely swollen. Then they take you to the hospital. And I, I have no recollection of this uh, up until I did a lot of inner work and started seeing glimpses and snapshots of, of moments of that. And, and also combined with, uh, so my parents won't tell me this story. So Sarah uh, actually prized information out of them in casual conversation. And I found out through her telling me more information so I was in the hospital and they gave me sleeping pills. And when my mom asked the doctors why they gave me sleeping pills, it, they gave her, her the answer they gave her was, we wanted to let you get some sleep. And my mom's like, I'm not here to sleep. I'm here to make sure my kid's okay. And so a couple hours later, they found me completely blue and they had to take me to the ER. And actually, the story would have been left there if my grandma didn't work at the hospital, because in Ukraine, things are a little bit different. How it works in Ukraine is once you go into the ER, the parents get sent home. So it's not like people's experience of the ER is here where they're you know, they able to stay in the waiting room, wait with their kid, make sure everything's okay. No, this is like, hey, we'll call you back when you get home. So the moment they caught back, what ends up happening is they find me with a trach And yeah, I talk like a robot and and, um, I can only imagine what went through my parents' minds. So while I was, so while I was in the ER, no one really knew what happened until after my parents were curious why I came back with trach, why I, why it escalated to the way it escalated. And so my grandma went and started, uh, who actually passed away in November. And so she started digging and found out they gave me sleeping pills. They had to trach me. They had to give me adrenaline to the heart because I flatlined for several minutes. And um, yeah, my parents would never have known because that's how the system is over there. And if it wasn't for my grandma being nosy and wanting to really find out, reading reading the paperwork. And so yeah, that's how the story has been written so far. And uh, I almost drowned when I was one, so that's a whole other story. I don't, yeah, drowned almost drowned in a lake, uh, an ocean, on vacation. So that was fun.
1: Wow. Well, and even though it sounds like those things were maybe pre-logical like logical memory, I know that there can be like, a very much an emotional impact from experiences like that. Do you feel like that shaped your perspective later on, especially now that you're unpacking some of those things as an adult?
0: Uh, 100%. I have, I have wondered why my perspective has been different than most people's. Uh, I've gone through a lot of, um, I don't even want to call them mental health issues, because I feel like that's like a big buzzword that, that gets leaned on a lot. But I went through a lot of struggles mentally to grasp why I feel different than the when I communicate with other people about their experience. and so dying gives you a whole different level of of being on this planet where every breath you take is amazing is you know people get up in the morning and they arise and they go, "Oh, it's Monday. I'm like, I'm glad to be alive. <laughs> you know from knowing the story, I'm like, I should have died back then, or you know, but tides turned in my direction and I'm like, every time I'm breathing, everything in my body is happy. And so, even during the hard times, I know that too shall pass. And then I keep moving through because I remember actually an interesting thing that I'll share is dying is very peaceful. Dying is one of the most pleasant experiences that you will ever go through. And so, when people are afraid of dying, that actually act of disconnecting from your psyche and your body. And being everywhere and nowhere at the same time and feeling the presence of everything is overwhelming and it's so beautiful. So now I'm, I'm patient. I'm like, Oh, there's always time to die. (laughs) So it's, it, that's, that's been my biggest takeaways. How interesting life is knowing that it could have gone in any direction, but I'm here now and I think that's how it shaped it and bringing back a lot of the things from, from the um, other side, I would say where my brain tends to be tuned differently.
1: Yeah. I share a little bit of that experience in the birth of my third child, I hemorrhaged and he was born via emergency C section. And after uh, he left the room, I like flatlined for a minute and had that kind of indescribable experience you mentioned of just like being aware that I wasn't in my body at, at that point And the kind of that, um, and I actually now have the words memento Mori on my wrist, which mean, remember that you will die. And there's actually some interesting data about how, you know, we are afraid of death, like you mentioned, but actually thinking that and keeping that in our awareness tends to actually bring happiness. Uh, as well. It's it's kind of a contradiction there, but um, thank you for sharing that story. That's a beautiful perspective. I feel like if from there to jump into some other topics that won't be quite as deep, at least to start with, uh, you come with a wide variety of expertise in the researching for this podcast. There's so many topics that you can speak to. And I'd love to actually start with the idea of biomechanics because a recurring theme on this podcast in the last couple of years has been very much uh, the mind-body connection. And I ended up processing a lot of trauma by using somatic therapies and reprocessing through my body, things that I thought were just emotional. And so that's something um, I've heard from a lot of other people that they're kind of in that similar place and trying to understand. And I know this is also an area that you do have quite a bit of expertise. So to start broad, can you kind of walk us through, I have a quote from you in my notes about when you unkink the hose, the water flows, but walk us through the idea of biomechanics and we'll use that as a jumping in point.
0: So the whole body, the osteopaths, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's osteopath, so I'm going to stick to that for now until someone corrects me on it. But there are certain ranges of motion that the body functions better in and in neutral. And when I say neutral, I mean not a flat line. So there's 15-degree curvatures that happen through the body that come from the base of your skull all the way to the coccyx in your uh, tailbone, as they call it. So it's—it's it's, there's 15-degree curvatures happening at all times. And that should be maintained when we are in our resting position or standing position. And because the foramen where the holes, where our nerves come out of and our uh, arteries and veins come out of, that's the optimal opening for them to function. So that way, when you move from neutral to the position, let's say it's picking up your child or putting something on a shelf, or it's uh, moving the couch, you're not staying there for a long time. So in it, the same analogy is we're not sitting behind a desk at all times that's why ergonomics are extremely important to restore our biomechanics so that way everything flows correctly and a lot of times people are trying to fight this idea of uh, time they're running out of time and so they start moving improperly and then and then their body develops impingements nerve pain musculoskeletal pain and then they go and they go try to get those treated, but no one ever addresses that their curvatures need to be addressed. Their, their pelvis needs to be in the proper alignment, their neck, and their, even their cranium, everything has a little hole that it passes through. And so if those things are squeezed, like for example, I, I like to use the example of the vagus nerve. A lot of people have studied it. A lot of people know about it and how it controls the digestion. Well, the vagus nerve is part of your cranial nerve. It tells, your stomach tells your brain what's happening. Most of the time, Everything outside of the cranial nerves, a lot of people may have experienced this where they put their hand on a stove and then they lift their hand and then their brain goes "Ow, oh, hot, but it's not the simultaneous action. So that be, that's because there's relays that go, okay, well, before we tell him it's hot, we need to make sure that, that his hand leaves the stove so we don't burn ourselves. But the cranial nerves go directly into your brain and the vagus nerve being, I can't remember if it's the eighth or the 10th one, goes, I think it's the eighth goes through your atlas, which is your C1 vertebrae, which is what your, your very top spine, spinal segment that your skull sits on. And if your atlas is rotated and misaligned, what ends up happening is it impinges the way the, the current goes to the organs that it controls because your vagus nerve controls your digestive system amongst other things. Um, and a couple of other quirky things like your gag and your burp reflex and, um, like choking reflexes, And so if you have a misaligned atlas, which is your C1 vertebrae, where your, what your skull sits on, even if you're eating organic food, you're detoxing, you're drinking enough water, you're, you're, you're doing all of the things properly, taking the right supplements. Let's say you're not getting enough current to start those systems. Like the same way is if you don't have enough current in your battery power in your battery to turn that start over, to start, turn your engine over it's not going to turn your car is not going to run because there's not enough current to to start that car over. And it's the same way. A lot of people suffer with digestive issues and different nerve pains and all kinds of unexplainable things because of the structure, the bones are very unforgiving and your bones will literally lay on your nerves, veins, arteries with no remorse because they're inanimate. Everything else makes it move. Your brain makes your muscles move and pulls on your muscle skeletal structure. Uh, So if you, if you unkink that, you're going to notice that your body is delivering nutrients, oxygen, and it's circulating at a rate that it's actually allowing itself to repair versus staying stuck and building up lactic acid and building up toxicity and building up uh, almost like going to vacation and then coming back. And now you have twice as much paperwork because you didn't get it done before you left. And. Then people become confused as to why their bodies aren't functioning properly. Well, it's, they're getting backed up and because they're inside, we can't really see it versus like, if you're in a house that someone's hoarding, you can clearly see all the junk in the room, but it translates into things like your hands are going numb or your skin is not the way you want it, or your tummy is bloating and your back starts hurting and you can't quite control certain muscles and your, your, your body will lock up. So it shows up that way. If you keep it stuck for very uh, for a very long time,
1: that's so fascinating. And it makes sense in light of that. And I love the idea of the car starting and and not having the energy to turn over. What is the process like to begin to unpack some of that? Because I feel like often, uh, especially in the conventional models of care, things are addressed sort of in isolation. And this seems like very much a whole body approach. Um, how would someone begin to start to unpack that?
0: That's tough because there you know there are so many practitioners. Practicing many different modalities. And there's a big scarcity mindset that I've noticed in the practitioner world where it's like, I need to keep my client because then if I don't, then they may not come back and I'll lose this thing. And there's this always thought around loss versus how can I help the person? And, you know, that's why I've been studying Paul Check for almost 12 years now. And he has, That I found one of the best approaches to looking at the body holistically, and when I mean holistically, I mean mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, being stones unturned. And so you have to be well read to be able to see certain things. For example, um, people will ask me why is no one talking about dental stuff to make sure. Well, if your dent, your your mouth has to be in a a specific alignment and have enough forward growth, and you know a lot of us weren't breastfed or we don't eat right, and that's going to stunt our development of our mouth which is a whole other conversation i don't know if you want to get me let me get into that but we need to make sure that whoever is you're looking at, uh looking to get help from is looking at other aspects of your life as well but most people if they don't know that there are practitioners out there that can literally grow your whole jaw forward without cutting it open and there are dental appliance work as an example you'll go well i don't know what to do with this so i'm going to pretend like it's not there and then when someone comes around you'll go well yeah, it's it's a problem, and you sound almost like a fatalist, like, yeah, your life's gonna end. you know, sorry, we can't do anything about this. So the best thing to do is treat your care like a like you would a mechanic, because if you take your car to a mechanic and you're they don't fix your car, and they go, actually, you know, let us try again. And you're putting money into a mechanic that isn't making progress, that's where you have to try someone else. And a lot of people get stuck behind, I really like this person. Or, you know, we have a relationship or something is like, you know, they're, they're giving me something. They're giving me a friendship or I I like, I like their family. And, but what they're doing is they're also spending money in a place that's not returning a service. And I'm I'm constantly telling people that I don't care if you like me, I know you will, because I'm a very likable human being, but it doesn't matter if you like me to me or not, as long as I'm giving you the truth and making sure that you're getting the best care possible. And then you're moving in the right direction. So one day you don't need me. So it all depends on where the person is coming from. Like, uh, there's so many resources on food. Like, you, you have to make sure you're eating the right food, you're getting it right, correctly sourced, and, and in the right quantity, too. So playing with all those things, not being afraid to, you know, try a little bit more, try a little bit less, ask research about detox symptoms. Hey, I'm feeling this way. Does anyone feel else feel this way? A lot of this is going to take more responsibility to take care of your health because as most of us know that we can't put our responsibility into another person's hands until we find that person that can fully take care of what we need, but also not take our power away is most important. A lot of practitioners and a lot of people want to give you the answers versus teach you how to not need a person anymore. And that's huge for me. I want to make sure that even if my process takes 3 times as long, I know in the long term I'm thinking about this person when they're 60, 70, 80 years old that they'll be they'll be able to grasp their health when I'm doing something else or they're in an, in another country or so that way they're constantly not relying upon me to be their answer. So for me, I'm, this is more of also an educational system. So finding someone that here's a good, here's a good cue. If you ask a question and someone gives you a firm, absolute no, with no explanation, that's, that's usually a red flag to me. That's saying that this person doesn't want to look into an area of their life or study and they're sticking to their modality. And when I refer people to um, other practitioners, I always get to know the practitioner or I give them a disclaimer, like, Hey, I don't know this person. So tell me what your experience of them is. And if they do other things that could interrupt my clients or patients' progress, I, I I have to be very specific. You're going there for this, and here's why. And everything else that they're doing is wonderful, but it's not for you right now. And you can dabble with it if you would like, but I don't recommend it. And I give them reasons. And then I I try to educate the person as much as possible. So looking for someone that is willing to take the time to explain. And not only with their explanations make sense, like, cause when people aren't stupid, really, you know, they, they, they have an inherent sense for truth, even if they deny some of it, but inherently they know the truth. And that's what we're really looking for. And you should be able to see a, a result within a week of two weeks of three weeks. And depending on the circumstance of, you know, if someone has a potentially a herniated disc, like it could take 500 days to treat a herniated disc but the person should be seeing progress through this whole thing, you know, or the other thing is this is where I'm all over the place because you should be able to explain the pain because you've seen it so much like a herniated disc. When someone comes in and they're in pain, I go, this is going to hurt real bad because there's going to be a point where I describe it to them as like, your hand is stuck in a rock between two rocks and for you to pull your hand through those rocks, it's going to hurt. And then once your hand is free, your hand stops hurting. they go, oh, that makes sense. So then as we, as we centralize their disc, it's painful, but then there's that moment of ease where everything becomes painless. And they're like, wow, oh, I see what you mean now. So, but doing something for 15 years now, it's over and over and over again, it's, you're able to speak on it a little bit. So that's, those are some, some guidelines as to how to find someone good, but, and don't be afraid to, because you like someone you want to support someone, if you want to support someone, donate, but if you want to really get help, you have to find the person that's willing to look at you as separate from themselves and make sure that your care and your success isn't a reflection of, isn't a validation to the therapist. I'm going to explain that again. Make sure whoever you go to see that they're not being validated by you getting better. Because I see that a lot. They're, they're so willing to give you the answer to make sure that they look smart. And I'm calling a lot of people out. And, and this is a good shadow time.
1: <laughs> that And that's such an important point. I've talked about that before in relation to just... Like physical healthcare. And I've used the term, you know, we are each our own primary healthcare provider, and we should find practitioners who can be good partners in that. But at the end of the day, the responsibility, the ownership lies with each of us. We can't outsource that. And I think to your point, this is a really good point. It also applies to mental health care providers, to spiritual health care providers. We each have to take the ownership of those things and find those pieces that are going to work for each of us, but also be willing to step away or I've said I, you know, I fire a doctor if they're not a good partner in that. And in any of these cases, you're hiring someone to help you. And so to your point, like if they're not helping you, find someone who is going to help you. And I love that you brought up all the aspects of that, because I think in the, in the Western model, often they get talked about in separate pieces and there's like physical, the physical side of healthcare, there's mental health, and then there's spirituality. And I think my lesson has been in the last couple of years, learning just how intricately all those things overlap and how we have to take a whole body kind of whole person, whole, all of those aspects approach. And I have a note also as well about like pain being a teacher and pain arriving with increasing volume if it's not addressed. And I think maybe that ties in here as well, but can you talk about like, you mentioned pain in the aspect of like, there can be acute pain when someone is in that process of healing, but kind of like pain as a teacher and it reoccurring.
0: Yeah. I mean, pain shows up whenever we're not in alignment with what we're supposed to be doing. I remember being a kid and trying to put a fork in an outlet and blew the fuses out of the house and caused me some pain and pain to the, to the house. And As as a silly example, but it it was telling me that this is not a good idea. And, but if we've spent years collecting and ignoring pain in our bodies to unwind, that is going to be also painful (laughs) because these tissues are so ischemic. They have no blood flow moving to them. And that repair process hurts. And I tell people a lot, your first day is going to hurt probably the most because these tissues haven't been touched maybe ever and everyone gets their shoulders massaged. So they're used to some pressure, but when you start working on muscles in the armpits and the thighs and the calves or inside between bones that people have or the front of the neck, for example, that have never been touched before. It's, it's, it's like trying a new food where you're like, I don't know how to process this. I've never tasted this taste before. And, um, but after the first time people go home and they come back and there's some, there's a chance for blood to go in and do its work and clear up and clear up some of that lactic acid and toxicity. A lot of people, for example, they may not poop for a couple days and then they'll have the best bowel movement of their life. And then it starts up again. So there's like a, there's a process to it, but to speak on the pain again, this happens mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? If you're doing a squat and you're, and your back hurts, Okay, we need to change something. Probably shouldn't push through it. Or we're compounding these issues and making things worse for our bodies long term because we're building something called engrams, which are basically each muscle has its own sequence of movement. And to fathom how everything moves in in, in a perfect unison with each other. And so when you take all those sequences of movements and you put them into one pattern, like, and we label them, squat, deadlift, bench press, pull up, we have them all labeled and our body takes those words and it sequences our muscles to create those actions. So if you have pain in your life or in your squat, let's say, this is an easy example, your body will always try to avoid pain, whether it's good for you or not. Your body will tell you, hey, well, there's pain, we're going to move. Which changes your engram, and that is going to be the fastest thing that will change your patterns in life. And I see that a lot in the uh, in the spiritual movement. What's happening now? It's hey, everything has to be good vibes, or I'm moving away from this pain instead of looking at it, understanding it, or even better, understanding what's going on with, with the situation in your life. And And when you do that, you become the creator of your own life versus a saboteur or a victim or a child who doesn't want to participate with their lives because it does take work. It does take time to lay on a foam roller. It does take time to research about what things, I mean, people spend time uh, listening to these podcasts to make sure they're getting the best information every week and it takes time to do so. And if people don't, take that time to invest into themselves no one's going to do it for them because as we're talking about you're going to go to someone and if you don't know how to paint a good practitioner you're going to either get more pain or you're going to get pain in your wallet from having to spend all this money and then when you finally find someone that's really able to take care of you you can't afford them and i speak to this because this is what's happened to me many times with with people and pain is another way of looking at what needs what in your life needs to be changed outside or inside. Sometimes you can't change what's happening outside. So you change what's happening inside. Sometimes you can't change what's happening inside right now because there's too much chaos. So you change what's happening outside. Okay. Maybe I find a new separate group of friends and then realizing that you are the emotional blanket, the sponge for all of your friends. And it's taking a toll on your, on your mental health. And, you know, I I constantly say you're the product of your five closest friends. So whoever you surround yourself is going to be uh, who you're going to become if you're not stable and secure enough in who you are to be able to over overstep your boundaries. And that's ultimately what we're trying to create a person that is so solid and stable in their own values and dream that no matter where they show up, they won't bend to their environment, because they are the creator. They have so much responsibility in their own self and will to carry out what they, the beauty they see in the world. Hey, let's go out to a bar. I actually, I'm going to go paint because that creates less pain in my life. So that's how I see pain. And, he, and I always have to look at it. And most of us don't want to look at it.
1: Yeah, I think often the reaction is to move away from it rather than to lean in and learn from it. Certainly, that's definitely instinctually for, uh, for a lot of people. And from researching you, I think something else that's really unique in your approach that I think is super interesting to delve into is kind of looking at the, as you put it, macro to micro to macro. Um, and so I'd love for you to explain what that means and how you integrate this into your approach.
0: When you look at things from only a micro lens, so you look, let's say you go to a A general practitioner, as an easy example, and they say, Hey, you have this, we need to refer you to a specialist, which is a micro. So they only focus on your knee or your bowels or your elbow or whatever the case is. But they don't end up talking to each other. Then something else goes wrong after, let's say, then you get a medication to have this subside. But then you go back to your general practitioner to you reevaluate, and they go, well, how's your knee doing? Well, knee is doing great, but now my back hurts. Okay, well then let's take care of that. And then, hey, now your back hurts, let's send you to a PT. And then none of these people talk to each other, which is a shame. They take notes, but they don't have a conversation. They spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes with someone and they're like, all right, out the door because how the system is created, they're, it's almost like a revolving door and they have to, or else the doctor or practitioner can't sustain the business. And it's, it's tragic. That that's how they're set up. They have to see 30, 40, 50 people a day in an eight hour window or a 12 hour window to make their practice work so they can pay off their bills and, and all the expenses and feed their family after all that. And so, when you're looking at, like, let's go back to the body. When you're looking at an emotional level, you have anger. You look at it as anger and you look at it on a, a macro level, which it's how it's affecting your body. It's affecting my personal relationships. It's unless let's say, unless I work out, Oh, that helps. I can work on my anger. I don't have to work on my anger. All I have to do is work out. And then your body goes, Hey, but when we work out, we have pain. Yes. You emotionally feel better, but now your knees hurt because you're overdoing it. And then you you do that enough. And then you find out, Hmm. I actually don't feel better unless I work out. So what happens if I take a vacation and they don't have a gym? Oh, anxiety, anger, pain comes back. So by looking at things on micro levels and not seeing how they act on a whole level. So the idea is behind this is going, okay, well, you have anger. You're angry about something. Now you have to dissect all the areas in your life. Okay. Well, where am I angry emotionally? Where am I angry mentally outside and inside? Where am I angry is there something in my body I'm angry at? Is there something um, in my thoughts? Are my thoughts angry? What, what, is, what am I angry about? And you, you look at everything on a microscopic level. And then you bring everything back together and look at how they impact each other. So then you go back and you go, well, how is me exercising and letting go of my anger? How is that helping me with my knee pain? actually it's making my knee pain worse. So that's looking at it on a macro level. On a micro level, anger, I can, I can manage with exercise. Okay, cool. But on, after I exercise, now my knee hurts. So now if you go to a knee specialist, that's keep, look, that keeps sticking to the micro level. And now let's say you go, hey, my knee hurts. I don't want to exercise, but now I'm angry. Okay, we got to zoom out and go, what else can we do? If I keep exercising, my knees are going to get worse. And my doctor or my physio or my trainer says, or my massage therapist says, you can't sustain this long-term. And the other option is now we go to do, take some meds or some anti-inflammatories or some uh, NSAIDs. And I feel better short-term, but I can't live like this forever. So that's when we have to zoom out and go, okay, well, is anything, is everything that I'm doing coherent with each other and harmony with each other? What can I do to supplement some things that make everything work together swimmingly? Because that's how I practice going, okay, well, how does this, let's say biohack, does this biohack interrupt any other things? And if it does, then we have to reevaluate this biohack. Does this supplement interfere with other supplements? I'll give you an example, like kombucha is wonderful for your gut. Micro level, you go, great, I'm going to stick to that. Macro level, you zoom out and you go, oh, this person has a terrible fungal infection or a yeast infection. And now they're sitting there going, kombucha is good for me because they've only studied micro levels and they've not associated the two together, thinking that if I pour kombucha, which is fermentation and sugar on top of an overgrowth or fermentation and sugar in my body, it's going to create problems. So we have to look at things from micro, m- macro level and go, well, these two don't interact right now. When this one is gone, then we can introduce, you know, when the fungal infection is gone, we can introduce kombucha. Okay. What do we need to do to get rid of the fungal infection? Oh, kombucha has to go for now, but I like the taste. Well, that has, the fungal infection has to go first. So it's, it's constantly almost like, like a gas pedal where you press the gas, but you, you have to hit the clutch, hit the brake. You got to slow down. You got to back up. You got to look around, stop at a stop sign. So there's constant, and it takes a lot of work and it's constant. But eventually, your body gets into harmony. And then you'll notice your body that becomes more sensitive. And that's when you'll hear, oh, it's a blessing and a curse, but it's not a curse. It's the awareness that you asked for. Most people ask for awareness and increasing of their consciousness, and then realizing that they're seeing all the pain that they're ignoring. And then they call it a curse. It's not a curse, you know? It's responsibility knocking on the door. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because. You know, they have a lot of busy lives and, you know, it's tough. It's tough to not have the resources being taught to you right away. It's it's tough to process that these things are hidden from us or maybe even not intentionally, but overshadowed by so much bad information and misinformation and micro information that don't relate to the macro of your health, of your existence, of your your human experience. And it's almost like one of those toys. I see this visual of a toy in my head. You, I'm sure you've had this, you've seen this where it's like uh, three different sections and there's like a head section, a body section, and the feet section. And you're kind of swapping out different sections and like an alligator body with a, with a hippopotamus feet, with a stork body. And then you're kind of switching between animals and you're not really in harmony with who you are itself because you're looking at each specific thing too long without zooming out and seeing how it affects the big picture.
1: Yeah, that's such a good analogy and two things that came to mind in what you were just explaining is the first being like you know everybody wants higher consciousness and to expand and all this and then inevitably there then become things that you're more aware of and or test and I had a mentor recently um, when I was kind of frustrated with some of those things he's like oh well that's cute you thought you were just going to upgrade and not get tested like strength is built under load just like with physicality, you don't just get muscles, you build them. And like, this is part of that process, but also I love that you brought up that idea of personalization. And I think that goes back so much to the idea of that each of us has to go on this journey of figuring out, like you just said, the micro and the macro for ourselves, because there are so many confounding factors and it would be difficult for any one practitioner to know exactly what we need. We have to take responsibility in that process as well. Um, And I, I very much hold the belief that we can learn something I say from every interaction, every person, every approach, and especially in the health world, there are so many people with so many approaches, and I think there's wisdom in all of them, but also in understanding that at the end of the day, often those people figured out what worked for them, and that's wonderful, but now they're trying to give that approach to everyone else, and there's going to be adjustments there, but often I feel like practitioners can get very attached to that outcome, like you mentioned, and think that it's going to work exactly the same for everybody, whereas when we, we each have to start then the personalization process and figuring out which of those pieces. Yeah, exactly. To build. I also think that there, I have a feeling you're going to have a great perspective on this, but there is this very big component of the unseen side and the inner emotional side, and even the spiritual side when it comes to health. And that was certainly an area that I ignored for a very long time. And I had The diet dialed in and exercise and supplements and all of those things. But there was this huge emotional component that I wasn't addressing that ended up being an underlying core thing tied into all of my health problems. I think we're in a wonderful time where this is being talked about more and we're starting to understand at a deeper level that inner, like the mental, emotional connection to health. But I think also it's an area where there's still a lot of learning to be done because so much of what can deeply impact us perhaps impact us the most are things we can't see and we can't necessarily quantify or put data to or measure with a wearable. But I know um, from what I know of you, that you do a lot of inner work with people as well. And I would guess that often those are the things that maybe have the most profound impact.
0: What I like to start when I say, when, when I, when I, before I even have this conversation is if we take a pie chart to kind of like prep, prep the audience for this. So we would take a, a pie chart and we cut it into four pieces and we, we label it mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And we agree, okay, there's 25% of each. People can grasp that. Then we go, okay, well, when you look at physics past Newtonian physics and that atoms are uh, 99.9 to the sixth or seventh decimal percent space. And so they only contain about 0.00 to the, well, the sixth or seventh decimal matter. And we are atoms. Which make molecules, which make up cells, and and so on. So then, when you take that that pie chart and you actually implement how much physical matter actually exists, and we participate with, it's less than a percent of our whole existence, and it's hard to see the the emotions on a screen. You can tie yourself up to a or hook yourself up to a, an electrocephalogram, or some kind of EKG. And you can think about how it impacts you and you can see it show up on a piece of machinery. But you can't really cut someone open and find their love or how much love they had for their children, or how much uh, insecurity they had or how much pain that they carried from their childhood. There's, you can't find that you can't open up someone's brain and find their mind their mind after their mind is separate from the brain, but the brain is what allows the mind. It's almost like a conduit for it to function. Like the same way you can't cut open a dancer to find the dance inside of them. And it's really important to, you know, we're we're conditioned to be in this physical world and everything is physical. Everything is, you know, uh, we're conditioned to authorities, you know, a equals B, you know, if you, Need to learn something, you go to school, and then you the authority is the teacher. You, know, you get pulled over, the authority is the officer. You go to the doctor, the authority is the, uh, or you go to the doctor is the authority. And so we're constantly conditioned to receive a result. We speed, we get a ticket. We go to school, we get a grade. Uh, we go to the doctor, we get a pill or a prescription or a referral, and they'll take care of your problems. They'll take care of your problems instead of uh, looking at it from our perspective. So when, especially if you want entertainment, what do you do? You go to Instagram where you get an instant gram of dopamine every time you log on and, and uh, TikTok, watching your time go away. It's like, it's, it's, it's told to us right to our faces. And uh, it takes, it takes some practice to be able to operate in this world without being, you know, consumed by it. And so that's, you have to have that conversation before we even start talking about how your organs are actually the, the, the vessels that process your emotions and they are stored in the body. And I'm, I don't know if you've read the book, the body keeps score. I mean, I can't, is that a God, that's Gabor Mate, right?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't remember who wrote it, but I've definitely, it was, that was a really profound book for me. Uh,
0: it's, it's, it's not something is it Vandercock. It might be him or he is writing, he wrote the, uh, didn't start yes, with you. Uh, Bessel yeah. him. Yes. Okay. So most of what we, experience on a moment by moment basis truly doesn't exist. We perceive it through the way the light hits and reflects the matter. And then we interact with the matter because it's slowed down enough that we can't pass through it. But the same way as I know a lot of people can, can relate to this. How many times have people left a relationship and felt amazing? How many people have experienced a breakup and they felt like their heart was falling apart? it's even built into our conditioning of how we how we uh, how we speak. When we get butterflies, where do we get them? We get them in our stomach. Anxiety lives and processes through the stomach. Anger processes through the and joy process through the liver. And it's funny how it's called the liver because you live. It's either your joy or you interrupt that joy with anger. So if we live only on the physical model, we're going to ignore ninety nine point nine percent of our our existence but that can't be seen through a physical lens. We have to be able to feel it and the more we get in tune with who we are, the more we won't project onto the world and the more we have success with finding out who the person in front of us is and how we can best guide them because if you're if someone's going through mental 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 emotional stress in their relationship and you go to them and they're going to give you the relationship they wish they're able to take. They wish they were brave enough to go through. And versus that's that we talked about in the beginning, it's really important to have the practitioner know who they are and not be reliant on your success to add in what you were talking about, how someone does, let's say veganism or carnivore or keto. And they're like, this is the best thing I'm going to tell everyone, even though if they're not doing well, it means you're not doing it right, obviously. And, um, it's getting past our own conditioning and finding out what works for us and getting past our own emotional heartaches and our own emotional pains. Uh, Because I don't know how many people I've seen with shoulder pain that also have anger issues. I can't even tell you how many people I have had with back pain that have fear issues. Because your kidneys, they process fear. This the adrenaline. You know, what happens when your kidney processes all the water? And this is a nice little timeline. The kidneys process all the water in your body. What happens when you're scared out of your mind? What happens? We all know about the sympathetic nervous system. Fight, flight, freeze. What happens when some people get scared so bad. They urinate themselves. Fear overrides your kidneys and bladder's natural function. And it goes, I'm consumed with fear and I need to show that to who I'm in front of. Maybe they'll have some empathy because I have no words for them. So it lives through us every single day. And like we were talking about macro and micro, it's completely separated from the the system of health. And if you want to get your mental health treated, you go here and they have a system. And if you want your emotions treated, you go here. And that takes care of that. If you want your body treated, that goes here. And if you want your spirit, well, go to a church. That's where that gets treated or wherever your religion sends you to. So they're all separate. But when you go to a church, they're not asking you about what you're eating. If if anything, you go to a church, you're going to find a basket of donuts sitting right there. And then you're wondering, you know why you're all hyped up and anxious. Well, the the analogy I like to give people is when they're in the office and I go, here's why, uh, here's, here's why, here's how food impacts your emotions. You know, you're sitting here in front of me, competent and clear minded and present. And they go, yeah, I go, okay, well, what if I gave you 20, 20 teaspoons of sugar? What would you do? And I told you to calm down. Would you be able to calm down? They go, probably not. I go, of course. So, now, if we drip that in through our system and our blood sugars up and down all day because our, we don't know what's harmonizes with our body, because we don't know what gas we're putting into our system, of course, we're not going to be able to manage our emotions. Of course, we're not going to be able to manage our thoughts. For diet, I use the same analogy with if you are a big diesel believer and you, can, and you told everyone that had a gas car to put diesel in the car, everyone that has a gas car is not going to have a good time. Their car won't work. It's a different fuel source, but they're the same belief systems, right? Gas is gas. Fuel is fuel, but it's not all built the same. And we all need it in separate quantities with different tanks and different times. And uh, it impacts how everything that we can't perceive because our physiology is cluttering our non-sensory organs, which is the feeling of how we love our hearts when we interact with someone's field. Oh, I feel that they're a good person, but if you're too hopped up on sugar, or you're too hopped up on, you know, your you're back hurting, you're not going to be able to use your heart because it's it's a more subtle system to be able to feel what you can't put your hands on, or taste, or smell, or hear, uh, or touch. I think I missed one. Nah, it's okay. So we need to be able to clear our system of static and manage our body before we can even perceive. But even people when they're at their heightened senses, they can still feel something is like this person's not safe. But how do you know that without knowing that? So then we start to dive into that because if we're seeing our world as fear and as panic or as a perpetual pattern that's reoccurring, even though it's not, because we haven't observed it anymore, but we're projecting it onto the world as it's observing, or as 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 we're observing, then. Uh, life becomes a little bit more challenging. And then as we talked about, the pain teacher shows up. So if you don't clear what a person's dream is or their values are or where they're moving in life, it's going to impact your physiology
1: 100%. Yeah, The the Body Keeps the Score was such a, a really enlightening book for me. And it helped me start to kind of unpack some of those things. And since sharing my own story of trauma, actually on this podcast in episode 309, I've received so many Letters from listeners who have gone through much more difficult things than I had been through and just heard so many stories from people. And I think like, there's such a key here when it comes to certainly to health, but truly to all areas of life. And I know you've talked about this before, like kind of the journey of healing trauma and how that actually can be such a gift and have a positive crossover into so many other areas as well. I'm curious, like how, you help people with that beginning in that process of processing trauma? Because certainly since sharing my story, I, I've received so many questions from people who want to go on the same journey and to start to unpack and are willing to sort of shine that light now on their own trauma and start to unpack. So where do you have people start for that?
0: Um, I start where they're ready. So if you end up working with us or anyone works with us, we, we, we give people like 200 pages of paperwork. I mean, it's a lot. It's intense. But we, we take all that Paperwork, and we start seeing what's not being written, what is being written. And through conversations with someone, you can see based on the structures of where they are, where they identify with society, how they see themselves, how they see the world. You can slowly introduce certain things by allowing them to talk about them with curiosity. It always has to be in a room where there's no judgment, there has to be no judgment. Because anytime there's judgment there you need security to to share what you're feeling, but if you're not secure, that's why you have trauma in the first place. You're not secure with what happened and you're trying to hide it from the world yourself or you don't know how to hide it, and it's everywhere so depending on what trauma it is, it's learning how to actually Paul check calls it surrounding the dragon. if you can't face the dragon head on well, well, chip at its heel, chip at its back, you know sometimes. People cope with trauma with eating and that's their coping mechanism. So what do you do? How do you like the analogy we used a second ago or a little bit ago where we talked about hopping someone up on 20 tablespoons of sugar and not being able to fish straight first, you know, they come in and they say, Hey, my back hurts. And they go, okay. Even though you've read through their paperwork, you're they're They're telling you things that they don't even realize they're telling you because you're a space where there is no judgment. There is no criticism about this. And they start telling you things and how many times I've heard, I don't know why I told you this. I've never told this to anyone in my life is I I probably could, if, if, if I got a dollar for that, I probably would never have to work again. So you start by going, okay, well, this may be too tough to talk about because you might say, you know, hey, how's your relationship with your dad doing? You know, and they may react in a not pleasant way and you go, okay, note that is a button that we need to pin later we need to work on other things. And then, so, okay, what, what are, what are some obvious things? Once again, micro, if you look at their macro they're in pain micro. Okay. What can affect their macro? Okay. Well we need to make sure that anything that they're eating is not increasing their inflammation. So finding out what kind of food intelligence they have, making sure they're cutting out foods that don't serve them, making sure we play with rhythms and timings. And yes, we look at poop and make sure their poop is well, without telling you all the different stages of poop and getting graphic with it, making sure they're nice, brown logs at least at least removing a foot of material a day that's brown and healthy and we start paying attention to their poop you know hey focus on that okay your 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 goal and 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 usually we meet where people are excited so if they're excited about managing their diet cool focus on that focus on that and then we start over the over time implementing hey this could be you know let me tell you a story about my life. And they start identifying with the story. Oh, this story is happening to me. Ultimately, I know what they're going through. And so I use all the different ways, except going at it directly. Some people are better at it than others. Some people you can ask them straight to their face. Is this something you experienced? And they're like, yes, that's why I'm here. But a lot of times I would say 80% of the times it's the deep-seated trauma that they have conditioned to themselves that they can't talk about or else they can't function, we have to work around it many, many ways, over and over and over again. And it takes time, it could take a year, it could take two years, but ultimately when they face that, that dragon without us telling them what to do, telling them what their problem is, because that disempowers a human being completely, If you come to me and you're like, hey, how do I do this? And I put it together for you and you're like, great. Okay, now what's my purpose in life? (laughs) I guess I'll go do this thing. Oh, what's my dream again? Oh, here's your dream. Okay, okay, I'll go do that now. And what are my values again? Okay, here are your values. Okay, well, there's kind of no fun stuff to life anymore. And hey, my body's not reacting the same way anymore. It's, It's, you know, my poop is off. What do I do? My breathing is off. What do I do? Hey, my relationship isn't going well. What do I do? Do this. And then, so instead of teaching the person how to go through certain steps and go through the process and show them that the pain actually is the gift to be able to see the beauty in life, how can you empathize with love? And how do you be in love without knowing pain first? Or you don't appreciate love. Maybe you grew up with love and your parents were love and your surroundings were love. And then you find a perspective of, people the world being harsh, and the world being mean, and the world being difficult, and you living in that and succumbing to that. And then one day you've had enough. And then you remember how pleasant love is, and how much how much you valued and and appreciated when people did good things for you and loved and and shared that with you. But before you didn't you were like, that's life. you didn't you had no perspective. So pain gives you empathy. Pain gives you compassion for those who are struggling who are, who need help. And you remember you were there at one point, you remember that you were struggling. And without that pain, you could never really truly connect with other people.
1: Yeah, that's such a good reframe. And there's still so many directions I want to go with you. I'm hoping you'll be open to around two sometime soon, because like, we didn't even get into like shadow work and archetypes and so many areas I wanted to go this podcast is sponsored by juve red light therapy or also called photobiomodulation i've been a big fan of red light therapy since researching it years ago and i've been really grateful for my red light devices the last couple of years as i'm getting older and i want to be really proactive about keeping my skin looking young with stress and travel i felt my skin getting less smooth and elastic than it used to be so i upped my red light exposure and was able to help my skin stay feeling its best I also notice really directly the benefits of red light for recovery and sleep, as I have gotten into more intense workouts and sleep can always be a struggle with six kids. Most people don't realize that light is such a vital part of the cellular energy equation in the body. And red light therapy is an easy way to get part of this really valuable piece that we need. Since many of us spend so much time indoors, we often don't get enough light. And my favorite two hacks are to spend some time outdoors every morning as soon as I wake up and to use red light throughout the day or at night to make sure I'm getting that full spectrum of light exposure and that my light exposure is optimized. You can learn a whole lot more at their website and find the lights I personally use by going to juve.com forward slash wellness mama and they have built in an exclusive wellness mama discount at that link just for you guys. Again, that's joob com forward slash wellness mama. This episode is sponsored by Levels Continuous Glucose Monitors. I have been experimenting with this continuous glucose monitoring system for the past few months and I've learned so much personalized data about my body's own response to different foods, even to workouts, to sauna and to when I don't get enough sleep. I've been using Levels, and this has made a significant difference in the way I track my glucose data, and especially as it relates to diet and fitness. Levels is cool because, in addition to providing you with the, the continuous glucose monitor sensors, their app interprets your data, scores your individual meals, and allows you to run experiments across different inputs like diet, exercise, or even fasting protocols. They're backed by a world-class team, including Stanford-trained MD, top engineers from SpaceX and Google, and a research team that includes legends in the space like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino and Dr. David Perlmutter, both who have been guests on this podcast before. Health is so personalized, and this has given me a way to know the best foods for my own body, and it's helping me get enough protein and carbs while still maintaining weight loss. Levels is currently running a closed beta program with a wait list of 100,000 people. But as a listener, you can skip that line and join Levels today by going to levels.link forward slash Wellness Mama. So again, make sure to get the link right. It's L-E-V-E-L-S dot L-I-N-K slash Mama, all one word. Out of respect for your time and for the listener's time, I would love to ask a couple questions. I ask toward the end. The first being if there's a book or a number of books that have had a really profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why.
0: Um, one of the first books that I've ever read was The Alchemist. I really, actually, it was 1984, which is one of the first books I've probably, was the only book I read cover to cover in, what's it called, in, in any kind of school. I'm not a big reader, and which is, it blows kind of people's minds. They're like, how do you know this stuff that you know and i'm like when i used to tell him i've read like four books up until like i don't know five years ago and now i'm making it an effort to actually read books and sit in the morning and so because i learn better from interactions like this you tell me about your life and while you're talking i am absorbing things through my through my consciousness through my uh through my psyche but one of the another book that do we only say one or three books how many books do we say
1: any that have had a profound impact
0: the Law of One, it's a, it's an intense book. I almost hesitate saying it uh, because there's it, it, it will kind of blow your psyche apart as to what you perceive in life. And a book that reaffirmed a lot for me after I died was One Mind. I think his name is Larry Dossey, And he shows how so many different experiences in life how they are actually, we're, we're actually one mind, one collective consciousness, and he's showing it over and over again in the book. And so I'm like, how am I thinking about something and then I see it? How And so it kind of, it helped me affirm like, okay, I'm not going crazy. We are actually a collective network of consciousness. Even the internet is a externalized mind network. It's an everything that's in our brains is on the internet now. And you can tell, you go on Facebook or Instagram and you have people's thoughts plastered all over it. So those, those several books were um, very profound to me and or either affirmed to me what I'm doing is, uh, I'm not going crazy, which is great.
1: The Law of One is a new recommendation on this podcast. I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes as well as the others you mentioned and The Body Keeps the Score, which we already talked about earlier. I think uh-huh. a great one and a starting point, especially for anyone who knows and is aware of trauma that's one I would highly recommend as well.
0: Have you heard of It Didn't Start With You?
1: Yes. In fact, that has been one of my recent reads. I'm glad you brought that one up as well. I'm just starting to delve into that world. Can you give a quick overview for anyone who's not familiar with that one?
0: Yeah, it, it shows people how your trauma, I'll give, you, I'll give you one of the most profound examples in the book and um, shows how whatever you think you're going through is actually didn't even start with you. It started with your, your mother. But how does it start with my mother? That, that you can grasp. But then, how did it start with my grandmother? And how did how my pa- how is that passed down for from so many generations? What is this karmatic trail that's following me from, from uh, the way we perceive the world? And so, in that book, they talk about how how when you're in your in your mother's womb, or in your uh, in, in the eggs, your your mother. Let me start over. When your mother was in your grandmother's womb at about, I can't remember if it's five weeks or five months that you, the, the, the woman has developed all of the eggs that she is ever going to have in her life. So while she is in, your mother is in your grandmother, you are one of those potential eggs inside of your mother, which is in your grandmother. So while your grandmother is experiencing life imprinting on your mother, also imprinting on your your mother's eggs, which you are going to be here one day. on top of that now when we look at since if it's your grandmother being pregnant, then how many of us have grandparents around here right now? So that means they're all she's also being imprinted on her by her parents and also her grandparents. So there's five lineages right there of trauma experiences being passed down through our mental emotional states, through our psyches and being imprinted on the generation before it almost five generations previous. Because when you get raised in a tribal society, you get raised by your grandparents. So your mother, while she's, you know, having, uh, is pregnant with your mother, while you're in the egg in your, mother's, in your mother's body, she's also probably being helped by your grandparents while your parents are working, her parents are working. So there's, it, it gives you like a working concept of how you can start addressing karmatic uh, ancestral traumas that have occurred through our lives. It's, it's a beautiful book. It's intense, especially if it's a new concept to you or to people.
1: I, I'm really glad you brought that one up. That will definitely be linked in the show notes as well for you guys listening. I highly recommend it. Also, um, very, very fascinating and definitely deep worth delving into. And you mentioned people working with you. I will, of course, have that link in the show notes as well. But just give us a quick overview of where people can find you online.
0: Um, they can find us at primalfusionhealth.com. They can find us at primalpride.com. Um, which is our community web, our community site. Our Instagram is health.performance.engineer or at primal underscore fusion. And then feel free to reach out. We're very accessible and we enjoy making sure that people get taken care of and are, are linked to the right area and are making sure that their care is at the utmost. And yeah, we have a, Sarah and I have a bleeding heart for people. So whatever people need, they can reach out and we'll do our best to make sure we can help.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to hopefully around two and you guys check out wellnessmama.fm for show notes with links to a lot of the things we talked about as well as to your site so people can find you, but thank you for your time. Thank you. And thanks to you guys as always for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time and energy and attention with us. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast.